0: This week in the parish of Bourses and market structure, ASIC talks tough, India's conscious coupling, Sino-T bonds loom, ASX are on the rack and St Petersburg lives. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Borse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest weekly podcast, episode 222. We were prompted to have a quick rendition of The FUD Has Gone, a song inspired by David Guetta. Binance, shaken to its core by a massive criminal indictment, prompted us to query their dogmatic approach to rebutting criticism. We could even put it to music based on that classic David Guetta hit. What are we supposed to do after all that we've been through when everything that felt so right is wrong now that The FUD is gone? There is nothing left to prove, no use to deny this simple truth. Can't find the reason to keep holding on, now that the FUD is gone. FUD is gone. All this came in the wake of Binance's unmasking. Well, it was an unmasking, only if you weren't reading Bitcarnage or Exchange Invest for the past year or three, as a criminal enterprise. Fined $4 billion with CZ guilty of criminal actions and facing a 12-month to 10-year jail spell in the USA. Not in the SBF territory in terms of sentence length, despite de facto enabling the funding of terrorism, but still pretty grim as a life outlook. There was a perfect summary from Mike Burgersberg, a.k.a. our previous IPO vid guest, That was episode number 100, examining dirty bubbles. James Block, who highlighted the key lines in the agreement between CZ and the US Department of Justice. As he headlined it on X twitter Binance just became the biggest rat in history. CZ sold you all out. Cheers. Where does that leave CZ? I would suggest exposed. No one wants to see another human suffer, but I suspect the former forefutter-in-chief is now looking at a somewhat exposed existence, whether he returns to his native Canada, stays in Dubai, or goes back to Singapore, where he was often seen a year or so ago. It is probably stuff for Netflix, box-binging to come, but I'm fascinated at what stage the songquad of the great forefud culture finally fell apart. I imagine the federal investigator had a colleague wheel a hanger rail of orange jumpsuits into the CZ line of viewpoint and pondered aloud which size might be the Canadian citizen's best fit. Certainly it's a massive come down for a CEO founder who played fast and loose with pretty much every aspect of the law, including his epic days where even the then Maltese Prime Minister pushed for Binance being regulated. It is indeed all a far cry from the heady nonsense of this year until recently on the Binance social media, exemplified by, for example, first of all, CZ's fin everything will everything-will-be-framed-by-FUD tweet. We'll try to keep 2023 simple, he said on X, spent more time on less things, do's and don'ts, one education, two compliance, three product and service. How ironic, at least two out of those three seem now. Four, ignore FUD, fake news, attacks, etc., in the future, would appreciate if you could link to this post when I tweet for... The ongoing we are net expanding headcount canard, which was of course met by volleys of forefud from the Binance cultists, leaves to point three, indeed a simply unending stream of Binance optimism which is now proven rather fallacious, and hopefully no forefud seeking to repudiate the reality of Binance's year being a fall from grace of spectacular proportions, albeit for those who are naive enough to see grace in the Binance setup in the first place. If you enjoyed this excerpt, you may be interested to know that you can read BitCarnage every day and exchange invest. Alternatively, if you want to follow BitCarnage, the daily update on happenings in the world of crypto and digital assets, you can find BitCarnage as a standalone on Substack. Out there in the world of legacy exchanges, the mainstream markets, well, it's not as popular a soap opera as Neighbours once was, but the ASX management debacle of incapacity to upgrade tech certainly is a telenovella without the glamour. ASIC and the RBA continue to seek to prove they have finally got the point of enforcing competence on Australia's woeful market structure monopolist. ASIC are ready to wield new power on ASX to force chess competition, AFR has said in a headline just in the past week. For the good of markets, in Australia and the benefit of the parish we are well beyond the moment where there needs to be competition down under in every aspect of the ASX monopoly as the incumbent has failed let's hope ASIC actually have the backbone to do this meanwhile the ASX's capacity to churn out endless, self-serving drivel, which doesn't relate to their surreal level of incompetence over the years, makes their every utterance readable, only while grasping a BS bingo card to tick off the usual groupthink of the shameless careerists incapable of running an enterprise. In that respect, ASX had their report card marked and... Well, ASX looks rather like a laconic wayward team seeking to justify their poor exam performance all the while watching videos on TikTok and paying at best half-hearted attention to the situation around them. Over in India... IEX may have 90% of the uncoupled power exchange business, but they have only 7% of power trades on exchange as a whole. With only 7% of electricity being traded on exchange, it's perhaps obvious then as to why the Indian authorities say the markets in power will be coupled and soon. That may be a risk for the dominant IEX, but then again, their 90% market share being based on a mere 7% of all electricity being traded, allows for them to lose a lot market share overall and still trade a huge amount more if more is on exchange. borse they want to prevent companies from migrating with the new RAT DAX rules. That's a hangover of the Lind crisis, which was an unfortunate episode in the history of DB1, undermining somewhat that technocratic excellence epithet usually appended to all things Teutonic. Action, it seems, has been taken. Over at Intercontinental Exchange, they've announced amendments to their private exchange offer and consent solicitation for black knight's outstanding 3.625 senior notes due 2028 the hong kong exchange has added indonesia stock exchange the recognized stock exchange and then there was a bit of a crisis on mainland china the reuters had an exclusive report the beijing stock exchange is telling major shareholders that's those people who hold more than five percent of any company to refrain from selling apparently you have to get in form filled in for permission to sell and apparently then that permission is being withheld in the currently rather powerless state of the chinese stock markets speaking of powerless stock market states short selling is as ever highly controversial South Korea's short-selling ban has raised political questions, Nikkei Asia note, and of course KRX have been very actively trying to stop a short-selling ban, worrying that it will stop upgrades of the Korean marketplace and the overall index environment. At the same time, the Thai SEC is directing the Stock Exchange of Thailand to tighten short-selling rules there, and even in the UK, the London city regulator could restrict short-selling under new proposed regulations. Then we come to the sorry case of Dublin and its financial centres. According to the Business Post, the government declined to include the Irish Stock Exchange, here in ex-Dublin, in financial services strategy documents. According to their, quote, Government officials said it was a notion to say the state could create rules to stimulate Ireland's struggling equity markets and declined a request from the Stock Exchange for inclusion in a major strategy on financial services. Alas, the idiocracy which masquerades as Ireland government is headed from bad to worse, where once an economic miracle was created, now there is only chaos and political correctness awaiting the inevitable hard-left Sinn Féin government, which won't do any good, no matter how much my puppies may be barking about the matter in the background. Although it might wash away the current ruling class and their vast inadequacy in every area, I suppose, Then again, what happens in Ireland domestic exchange might not matter to parent Euronext who bought the Dublin exchange for its vast catalogue of debt and related international asset listings, not the domestic stock exchange per se. Over in the Bahamas, the Chief Justice there is satisfied that Arawak X, the failed crowdfunding platform Coom Exchange, is $2.4 million insolvent. That's a pretty heady number, given the fact they never had more than $200,000 in revenue. At the same time, speaking of bankruptcy cases, there were a curious brace of cases in Russian courts, as the St Petersburg Stock Exchange has claimed it is the innocent victim of bankruptcy proceedings. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com, with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome, wherever you find this podcast. Meanwhile in deals, it was a busy week for deals in the parish. All the deals were in Exchange Invest Daily. The newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, let's look at some edited highlights. abax they've continued their massive fundraising. They've now raised $30.7 million from BlackRock and Wellington to advance their futures markets, raising with gusto as they approach launch. That's very exciting times indeed. And the Philippine Stock Exchange has moved closer to merger with PDS, the bond market. They've been given permission to increase their stake by the Philippine SEC en route to, presumably, a final takeover of the platform, which has been a negotiation ongoing for more than 11 years now. Finally, a little bit of PLY news. Uh, Valerian PLC has been restored to trading on Aquis. Uh, Unfortunately, that was marked by the fact that the previous chairman, it seems, didn't have the money he claimed he had raised. And the Gibraltar regulators required £5 million in the kitty for VLRM to complete the acquisition of the Gibraltar Stock Exchange. Net result, the Gibraltar Stock Exchange is, alas, scheduled for closure. The licences in the process of being withdrawn wind up. And VLRM will structure away from the regulated exchange business. That's a very disappointing result all round including, of course, for PLY. Meanwhile, if you're trying to understand how technology is affecting life and markets, check out my latest book, 20 years on from the excitement of the original fintech bestseller, Capital Market Revolution, Kim Victory or Death, Blockchain Cryptocurrency in the Fintech World. An easy read explaining the differing and diverging roles of banks and exchanges amongst other issues. Victory or Death is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. While you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live stream, Tuesday, 6 o'clock London time, 1 o'clock New York time. It's the IPO Video Live Show. Catch the back episodes on LinkedIn and YouTube via IPO-vid. We had an absolutely magnificent show last week. This was with Steve Zwick and Stephen Donofrio, both on the road to the UAE, and they were giving us the view to COP28. Absolutely fascinating discussion of Environmental finance all round. Speaking of fascinating views all round, our finance book of the week is John Kenneth Galbraith's *The Great Crash of 1929*, a classic examination of the 1929 financial collapse. With Galbraith, the economist, presently noting a sound knowledge of what happened in 1929 is the best safeguard against its recurrence. If you'd like to know more about this book, you can buy it online, The Great Crash in 1929 by John Kenneth Galbraith. Our next book of the week will be unveiled on Saturday in the Exchange Invest Weekend Edition. Don't forget, Exchange Invest Weekend Edition is absolutely free. You can sign up at exchangeinvest.com or if you want all the news on the bourse business being sent daily to your inbox Monday through Friday, then go to exchangeinvest.com and subscribe to Exchange Invest Daily. Only $349 per annum to join the exchange of information product news this week hong kong exchanges they are Inching towards launching Chinese Treasury bond futures in Hong Kong. The Chinese yield curve traded via Hong Kong is perhaps the most exciting new product opportunity we've seen in years. That's going to be a huge event when it takes place for all markets across the yield curve. Meanwhile, in Europe, the benchmark shift has left a whole new battle simmering over the yield curve in major currencies, particularly the euro. Thus, it's a kind of deja vu threesome this time, one more time, as Eurex seeks to wrench euro. Euribor trading from ICE in London and the CME tries to muscle in too. Interesting news from Eurex, 10% market share not to be sniffed at, albeit, I think if my memory serves me correctly, the Eurex Euromark had more than this traded in Germany while London reigns supreme in Euromarks and then subsequently Euribor albeit they did lose the bund in an epic tale, which of course you can read all about in my very first book of 25 years ago, Capital Market Revolution. Other news from the European Union, coffee and cocoa stored in EU warehouses is at risk of destruction under new origin rules. The perils of this invasive ESG, retrospectively applied, could be a mass exodus from EU warehouses with a concomitant major impact on the European Union's position as a port freight centre for anything other than its own highly regulated usage. Tadawul they have launched options trading with leading Saudi stocks following the launch of MT30 Index Futures August 30th and 10 Single Stock Futures slightly earlier on July the 4th. Now there are four single stock options, Saudi Aramco, al Bank, STC and Sabic. In technology news this week, the Hong Kong Stock Exchange's digital IPO platform, Fini, is live as listings have dropped to a two decade low. But I'm sure that's somewhat cyclical, driven by what's going on on the mainland. Meanwhile, CapChem and I have collaborated with Euroclear for the successful launch of digital financial market infrastructure. And then we get to the Finnish power. Error. A fat fingered Finn fumbled the fuses, leaving some folks with free electricity for an hour or two. Minus 500 euros per megawatt hour from midnight to 2am of a Friday into a Saturday morning was the order of the day. SEBI, they're saying T plus zero settlement will come by March. T instant is going to be coming a year later. Very exciting news indeed. TNS have established co-location services at Brazil's largest stock exchange B3. And the carbon software firm MVGX Tech has partnered with XBRI to power interconnected carbon exchange and registry networks upholding carbon sovereignty. In career Baz, congratulations to parish veteran Robbie MacDonald, who has returned to the sales beat with vendor e heading up their technology sales in APAC. Meanwhile, over at the OCC, that's the Office of the Controller of the Currency, well let's put it this way, way back when there were only a few of us proclaiming the notion of financial technology to empower change. I don't recall the OCC being amongst them at that time. Since then, many have been the charlatans who have joined the fintech fray. It would appear the OCC didn't really understand even human nature, let alone the nature of digital, when they employed somebody whose CV was sparse in its reality to truth. And finally, this week in Career Paths, R.I.P. to the great Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's remarkable, redoubtable business partner at Berkshire Hathaway, who has died aged 99. That means dying aged 99. At the age of 79, Charlie Munger witnessed the last flight of the Concorde as it moved into retirement. Did Charlie Munger was already a very mature individual, even when Concorde first flew in the mid-1970s for passengers. If you didn't fly Concorde, you missed out. If you did, well, the legroom wasn't great, but outside of racing cars I have known, nothing accelerated with the same gusto, and indeed drinking champagne while accelerating in racing cars has been frowned upon throughout my lifetime. No room for canapes either, apart perhaps from in a Metro 6R4 Group E car, anyway. An original market sizing proposition of 350 aircraft resulted in only 100 ever being optioned and most of those options died during the 1973 oil crisis. Of 20 aircraft produced, BA and Air France received seven each and six were built for testing. Braniff, Iran Air and Singapore Airlines also flew Concords at different times. In the end, the refusal of Airbus to manufacture spares for the aircraft led to its death at a tricky point for commercial aviation following the 9-11 terror attacks. As John Hutchinson, Concorde captain, and author in the world's greatest airliner 2003 remarks The only thing that tells you that you're moving is that occasionally when you're flying over the subsonic aeroplanes, you can see all these 747s 20,000 feet below you almost appearing to go backwards. I mean, you are going 800 miles an hour or thereabouts faster than they are. The aeroplane was an absolute delight to fly. It handled beautifully. And remember, we're talking about an aeroplane that was being designed in the late 1950s through mid-1960s. I think it's absolutely amazing. And here we are now in the 21st century and it remains unique. RIP Concord and on that mysterious and magnificent note my name is Patrick L Young creator of Markets publisher of Exchange Invest the daily bulletin of the bourse business wishing you all a great week in life and markets. Thanks for listening.